back to another episode of the Provocative Podcast. Okay, guys, we have a guest today, but before we get into the introduction for that, I have a little introduction about the event that I talked about last week. So it's official. We're going to throw the provocative event. I am still working on names, but I'm almost 90. I'm almost 100% sure it's going to be on this date. So mark your calendars. 11-11, guys, November 11th in Houston, the provocative event. It will be a smaller event. This is our first event. So I want to limit it to about 200 people. So I am probably going to do like a pre-sell sort of like um, sell for tickets and stuff like that. So once it's out, get your ticket because once it's sold out, it's sold out. So if you guys can come to Houston, I would love to have you guys here. It is going to be, I decided I was going back and forth about co-ed or just women empowerment. And I decided we we're going to do just women empowerment for our first one. Okay. I think it's important. Um, you know, I did start the podcast for us women. So I just want to do that. I will have like a little special surprise for you ladies who, um, want to bring your significant others. I know a lot of you listen to the podcast with your significant others or share it with your significant others. Um, and by significant others, I mean, guys, mo- more than girls. Like if your significant other is a woman, she can come <laughs> to the event. But if your significant other is a man, um, and you guys like to listen to the podcast and like, especially like to listen to Chris, um, there's going to be a little opportunity for you guys to kind of hang out with him and have your own thing with him. But all those details will be out as soon as I have them. But I just wanted to give you guys a date and let you guys know that once tickets go live, it's very limited. So, and I had a ton of it's like literally one eighth of everyone that said that they would come. So I'm excited uh, to throw this event and 11, 11, mark your calendars. All right, guys. So let's get into today's podcast because I have a lot of questions. I had to break it down a little bit so it wouldn't be too long. All right, guys, let's introduce today's guest, Julia Wang. Hello. So a little introduction of her, CEO and broker of Next Gen Real Estate and number one real estate agent on social media. Yes. <laughs> I was going to ask. So my first question is that how were you chosen as number one real estate agent? So there is a website called Property Sparks. So uh-huh. basically they go through, filter all of the agents. Um, so, you know, for the past, I would say like five years, I've been, you know, number one in Houston, which I'm like, of course, that's a given. Yeah. Um, recently, maybe three years ago, it was Texas. I was number one. Okay. And then last year was the first year I was number one, like all of the United States, which was really cool. That is so yeah, cool. It's really cool, you know, and it's um, it's it's great because obviously, you know, this is a list of like the top hundred agents on social media. So a lot of them, we kind of start following each other and kind of networking that way. So I network with a lot of real state agents in other U.S. cities because of social media. Um, when you started your company with social media, like a goal of yours, like to build it? Um, so yeah, funny enough. So I started in like 2016. So I actually started social media pretty early, mm-hmm. uh, but that's when no one was doing it in real estate. So uh-huh. I was kind of one of the first, I was trying to be a real estate influencer. I don't even know, know what that meant, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'm just going to make these videos like in houses. I'm going to take photos in houses. And I mean, no one was doing it. So I was being made fun of a lot. Yeah. By 
by other real estate agents, by other real estate brokers. And then, you know, I started getting a following. 2020 is when I really kind of, you know, exploded in January because obviously everyone was home and then everyone was trying to do social media, even yeah. all of the other real estate agents. Um, and then I was with another brokerage at the time and I just started getting in trouble for my social media a lot okay. just because, you know, I wasn't following the corporate guidelines, corporate standards. They wanted a very cookie cutter agent. So that's kind of when I decided to start my own brokerage. And so now I would say out of all of the local brokerages in Houston, we have the biggest social media reach, um, you know, and even though we've only been around for two and a half years. And we have some pretty big agents with large followings in on our social media. So we have one agent. She was a former WWE wrestler. Wow. Her name is Brooke Adams. And she was like legit. Like she like was with The Rock. Like, I mean, she trained with like actual WWE wrestling champions. So it's it's really fun. And I think all of us, we kind of understand that. I mean, you know how important social media is. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of people think, you know, I'm just doing it for fun. But this is really how I generate business. Yeah. And I've all the 180 agents under me, almost every single one of them found me on social media. So I never really had to like hardcore recruit anyone. OK, yeah. that is so cool. Yeah. My next question was like, when did you start your business? So that is so cool that in 2020, you were like, you know what? I don't want to follow the cookie cutter plan, let me yeah. start my own. Were you scared? Oh yeah, it was very scary, but I actually didn't think it would be that big. So okay. I just wanted the freedom to do what I wanted to do without someone telling me what to do or getting mad at me. So it was me, three of my girlfriends who are real estate agents. And okay. I was like, hey, let's just do this. You know, we can keep all the commission, you know, and slowly like all of these agents just started coming over. And I think even by, you know, six months, I had like, 75 you know just come over from social media and then wow. it kind of catapulted from there yeah that is so crazy guys the power <laughs> of social media it is and i think now a lot of these real estate brokers and brokerages they are kind of you know before they didn't take me seriously right yeah. and then now i think they're really understanding how powerful it is and i just got back from a pretty big national real estate conference and almost 80% of what they talked about was social media. And it's yeah. so funny because before they would just laugh about it and say it's not important and that, you know, and I still, you know, you have your old school brokers that tell real estate agents not to waste their time on social media. Yeah, and that's yeah, yeah. why they come over to us. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I've gotten multi-million dollar listings from social media. Yeah, And I'm that's sure. what people don't realize. Like I get most of my leads from social media and that's really what I'm trying to teach my agents because eventually no one's going to be looking at a magazine or yellow pages to get their agent, right? right. They're going to be looking on social media yeah. and finding the one that they connect with the most. Yeah, well, I mean, nowadays everyone has a phone. Everyone spends most of their time on social media. So not like... Social media is such a powerful tool for marketing. So I don't understand how there's still old school people thinking, yeah, let me just tell my clients to get leads through a magazine. Like it doesn't work that way anymore. Yeah, or cold calling and like, yeah. or door knocking. I'm yeah. like, I cannot imagine door knocking, like walking up to a random door, Do knocking on it, asking yeah. if they want to sell their home. But it's also, I think, just the older generation, which 
you know, it's understandable. They're just scared of change, right? right? And I think some of them know that they can never do it or they don't want to even try. So the best thing that they can do is just criticize it or make fun of it because they don't understand it. Right. How old were you when you got into real estate, though? Um, so I actually started late. So okay. a lot of people, you know, I have agents who are in their 20s, you know, early 20s that are real estate agents. I'm like, man, if I started that young, I would be so much more successful now. But I started when I was 30. So okay. right after I had, I was actually pregnant with my second kid. Um, and I was in marketing. So I was doing the whole corporate routes. And I was miserable. And so I just decided to join, you know, to get my real estate license. Mm-hmm. And then from there, it kind of exploded so I always say it's never too late to start anything new yeah. right because everyone thinks I've been doing this for years and years and technically it's only been almost 10 years yeah yeah no I love that you started in your 30s I think coming from someone I'll be 29 next week right and everyone talks about how if you listen to older people they tell you 30s is the best right yeah but coming from a younger generation I guess and now like everyone on social media who's younger is blowing up you you kind of get scared of getting older like I'm like oh my gosh like I'm getting older like is that a bad thing but now I'm realizing like no it's a good thing I feel like I'm just now beginning my like my life oh yeah you know in your 20s we struggled and I've struggled and uh, I'm glad that I've struggled in my 20s because I think a lot of people just use their 20 as my blow off years I actually like have been working really hard on my 20s and I feel like now that I'm reaching my 30s I'm like okay, I'm getting more excited because I'm like, these are my good foundation years. This is where I'm going to like build off of. So I think it's great that you started at your thirties. Cause I think, like I said, coming from me, I get scared, but it's okay to start something new. Like just because you're turning a different like age, doesn't mean you it's too late to start anything and look at you. Yeah. I mean, I, I would never go back to my twenties. Like like, you can't give me any amount of money for me to go back to my twenties. And I would say, you know, I've been so many different people, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you know, worked my way through college waitressing. I was Mm -hmm. a bottle girl. I was a bartender. I did the whole corporate route. So I've been many different people in my life. And I think that's what life is. Like you don't need to be the same person all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, maybe in my 40s, I mean, I'm sure I'm going to still be in real estate somewhat, but I'm going to transition into something else. Like, I always think everything's kind of a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I agree. I love that. And I would, you know, to me, if I was still showing houses 20 years later, and I see these real estate agents, literally, they've been doing the same thing for 30 plus years, I would consider that a failure, Mm -hmm. because I haven't grown in any way. And I've just remained stagnant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Um, Did you build your high end clientele after you left your last company? Um, so, you know, when I first got, then that was the reason why I joined my last brokerage was because okay. I want, so I started off apartment locating. So oh, I started okay. off showing like $600 apartments, like in not so good neighborhoods. And I was like slowly trying to work my way up. And then I wanted to learn luxury. Um, and that, you know, it's really, really hard to get into luxury real estate because you have to really play the part because people with money, they know other people that have money, they can spot them out. So mm-hmm. if they think you're a fraud, they're not going to trust you. Yeah. So I really found a good mentor and she was a great mentor for me. And she really taught me the ropes you know, I had to learn everything. I mean, I didn't even know what name brands were before I started. Right. Mm-hmm. And, but you have to learn all of that and not that it's 
right? I mean, no one wants to be like, oh, you have to be materialistic, but that's just the world of luxury real estate, right? right? So I had to learn all of that slowly, little by little. I started, you know, getting these clients. I remember the first million dollar listing I had. That was like the biggest deal for me, the biggest high. And then, you know, once they say deals create more deals. So once you have that first million dollar deal and then you do it right and you market it right, other people really start to take notice. Okay. Um, and then I think now it's, you know, thankfully I'm in a place in my life where, you know, I do like living a good life. You know, I like luxurious things. Um, I work with a lot of, you know, businesses, restaurants that specialize in luxury here in Houston. So that's kind of the lifestyle I try to portray mm -hmm. on my social media, which is why a lot of those clients, I think, are attracted to me. Right, right. Yeah. yeah you have. Did you deal with like imposter syndrome at all during that? Time? Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. still do. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I still do. I think anyone I'm sure you do. Oh, yeah. Too, yeah. Right. Anyone oh, yeah. who's in a successful place, especially when you actually earned your way to the top and you weren't it, it wasn't handed to you mm -hmm. or you don't have that family money. You're just kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah. Here? Do I I belong here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I get very intimidated sometimes, especially when, you know, I'm most of, you know, the luxury agents here in Houston, I mean, they were kind of born into a wealthy family. They all went to private school together mm -hmm. and they all kind of know each other. And I'm like kind of this outsider, the yeah. black sheep. Yeah. And no matter, you know, I tried to be as confident as I can, but when you're in a room full of them, like you can't help but be like, okay, I don't belong here. Yeah. And yeah. get, and get you know, insecure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess you would say networking for you is super important. It is. Yeah. But you know, my networking is kind of different. I actually, I think a lot of people would be surprised. I actually don't like people very much. Like okay. I'm not a extrovert. Like I'm actually an introvert. So when I need to, you know, gain my energy, like I need to be alone. I don't like big crowds either. And so I think a lot of my networking is like, via social media. Like okay. that's how I network with people. Okay. Um, and you know, yeah, I don't really like, you know, large groups as much anymore. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, was being a minority and a female ever an obstacle during, for your success? Oh yeah, of yeah. course. So I, you know, in, for example, like River Oaks, River Oaks is, you know, the Beverly Hills of Houston, right? Yeah. The most prestigious zip code. I think I was the first minor like Asian female to ever have a listing in River Oaks wow, right so yeah. it's like that's kind of how backwards and we, we are still here in Houston um and now it's been great because I think the past couple of years I've really been seeing a lot of minority women actually having these multi-million dollar listings but before like you just it, it didn't happen yeah um and you never had a minority female broker right yeah. so um and if you did, I mean, it was in like Chinatown or A-Leaf, right? Like they weren't selling in the, you know, the popular neighborhoods here in Houston. So it's been nice. And, you know, I do get a lot of minority female agents at my brokerage. I would say 90% of my agents are females. That's about um, to Yeah, it's, okay. it's a large percentage. But it's been great just seeing them shatter, you know, stereotypes that, you know, would once hold them back. Yeah, yeah. I do feel like nowadays, I don't know what it is about it, but I prefer a female realtor I don't know yeah. like I don't know if it's the confidence maybe the trust I don't know what but I think also with like selling sunset and everything I think it's <laughs> created a whole like oh I want a female boss has you know showing me this house so yeah. I think things have changed a lot which is great yeah and I think nowadays you know you wanted to go Back then, it was like, okay, I want the agent with that's been doing this for like 60 plus years. But right. now it's like people want agents that they relate to yeah. and that have the same lifestyle as them. Yeah. So with me, you know, if you 
young families, that's kind of my specialty, like young families who want to live in the city, in and around the city. That's my specialty because that's who I am. Yeah. Right. So it's been it's been nice. I've been able to meet some really cool people through my job. Yeah. Yeah. What is your like the number one thing you love about your job? I think the number one as a broker or a real estate agent. Real estate agent. As a real estate agent, I mean a lot of my clients have actually become my really good friends. Okay. Uh, so, you know, I had a family that moved down from L.A. They were referred to me. And now we hang out all the time. I mean, they were just literally at our house last this Sunday. Oh, wow. And we were just like cooking steaks. Our kids are friends. And so that's really nice that I could actually build that bond with my clients and they become lifelong friends. You know, I go to their baby showers. I go to their kids' birthday parties. So it's not just like a one-time transaction and done. I always try to keep in touch with them. You know, it's hard to do that, you know, in person, but at least through online or text or just yeah. like following up yeah. with them. What about with as a brokerage? Um, I think as a broker, one of the most rewarding things is just seeing my agents become successful. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, they always say you're not a success until you make someone else successful. Right. And I've seen agents make, you know, six figures for the first time in their lives. Right. I had one of my agents, she always had a Porsche on her vision board. She just bought that Porsche. Right. So that's really cool to see. And I'm like, okay, you know, I'm, you know, I would like to think the brokerage is helping them in some way because we do take way less of a commission than other brokerages. And we do try to offer a lot and, you know, give them tools on how to build their online presence. Yeah. Whereas I don't think most brokerages understand that yet. Yeah. What, uh, Cause how many, how many people do you have under you? I have like 180 now. (laughs) How, what advice would you give someone who's like, okay, what's the number one thing you need or need to do to manage people? Oh gosh. (laughs) You know, I'm still learning that. I think that's been the hardest part. Cause I've always been kind of a lone wolf. Uh I always kind of ran by myself. Um, And I think the hardest thing is you just have to understand that people are very complicated and people have their own stories. People have their own perspective and opinions and you never want to invalidate what they're feeling. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, just trying to be as compassionate as possible. Right. While still trying to lay down the rules and be a boss. But I think that's been the biggest thing is, you know, just understanding that people are just very complicated creatures. Right. I, I completely agree. I think with us too, in our business slowly growing and we are interacting with more people, I'm like, the number one thing that you should not do is just assume, right. And oh, like yeah. overthink, but like people, we literally had this conversation. I'm like, people are so complicated. I'm mm-hmm. like, and it's hard to manage people. You have oh, to yeah. really, really like try not overthinking it. Try not, like I said, assuming things because you don't really know what's happening in that person's life. Yeah. So I was, I was literally, you answered it perfectly because it, it is extremely hard. I would say to manage a lot of people. Yeah. And I think the, you know, the thing that you can do as a manager is just let them know that it is a safe space. If they, if something is bothering them for them to talk to you. Yeah. Right. Uh, because sometimes I have, you know, people come to me and they're just like, they think I'm upset with them. Cause I walked into, into the office and I didn't say hi. Yeah. Right. And I'm like, no, like I was just busy, but yeah. in their minds, they're like, Oh, like she's upset with me for some reason. And that's not it at all. But I think it's just, if we communicate with each other yes. and I can reassure them and be like, no, that's not it. Yeah. Right. Like yeah. I have my own problems. <laughs> yeah. I'm going, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Outside of work, what is the number one thing you love to do? Um, oh gosh. You know, I'm working a lot, but I would say traveling. So we travel a lot. Um, that's kind of where 
I really like to splurge because okay. I do work a lot. So I really like to have and create these nice experiences for my family. Mm-hmm. We just got back from, you know, a two and a half vacation in Greece with the kids. So that okay. was nice. We went to four different islands just hopping around. Um, yeah, our kids have traveled the world. They probably have more stamps on their passport than grown adults. And that I think that's our biggest thing, just showing yeah. them the world, showing them, you know, how other people live and realizing that, you know, United States, I think if you never leave the United States, like you think this is how it is everywhere and yeah. it's not. And it's not. Yeah. 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 I completely, completely agree. Uh, with your busy schedule and trying to balance being an entrepreneur, being a wife, being a mom, what is the number one thing you would say is a non-negotiable at your home? Like you guys either eat, always eat dinner together or you always have breakfast together or like is there something in your home that like is a non-negotiable? We do this every day. I think, I don't know about every day, but I think a non-negotiable is really making time for my husband and I, right? Okay. Because I think a lot of moms, especially a lot of working moms, they don't make time for that, right? It's kind of put on the back burner. But to me, it's like if you don't have that solid foundation, as a, you know, a married couple, I mean, that affects your kids. That affects every aspect of your right, life. Yeah. So whether it's, hey, we're going to do date night this night, or hey, even though I have work, you know, I'm going to set that aside to watch this movie with my husband. Yeah. And I think that's really important and just constantly communicating, um, asking, you know, how their day was, knowing what's going on. My husband's an entrepreneur as well. He's a tech entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just, you know, asking about his business, he asked about mine. And I think so many people forget to do that. And mm-hmm. especially I'm at an age where a lot of my friends are getting divorced, right? I would say 50, more than 50% of my friends are now divorced. Oh, wow. And I think the main reason is because they just stopped communicating. Yeah. yeah. And they just grow into different people. Yeah, I, I, I did see that your husband did textiles and I was going to ask how, was it, is it hard to balance both of you since you both are like entrepreneurs? Um, well, I think he's much more good about having a work-life balance where he just cuts it off, right? He's like, okay, at this time, like it's family time. Because he's been doing this now, his company, this is his third company. He's had it for about eight, nine years, whereas okay. my company's still two and a half years, yeah. right? So it's still kind of a baby. But he understands and he actually helps me a lot with the back-end operations side of my company, which okay. is nice. That's great. Um, but I think we both are trying to get into a place where, you know, we're not getting any younger. Our kids are getting older. So really trying to find the right people to where, you know, the company can grow and, and, and it can be good, but like, we don't have to be so hands-on like we yeah. have been. Yeah. 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 Cause it's hard. I'm sure it's hard, but I did see you in another recent podcast say that, that your husband's been a great help and you're yeah. very lucky because I'm sure that that's not, a lot of people nowadays are very self selfish with their yeah. time and they don't want, you know, they don't check up on the other person or they don't communicate. Number one, yeah. you need to communicate. So um, it's great that you both um, support each other's vision and dream and just want the best for each other. That's yeah, great. And I mean, I see that with you guys too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. We, we're a great team. Yeah. I think, you know, we've been married. It'll be eight years in November. And if I can say anything, it's communication and teamwork. You're on the same team. Yeah. I think when people start saying, seeing each other as like, well, you're doing your thing and I'm doing my thing. No, it's like, how can I support you and how can you support me? Exactly. It's yeah. a team. If you oh, don't yeah. look at, if you guys don't look at each other as a team, it's not gonna work. Yeah, and it takes constant work, right? Yeah, and I think yeah. a lot of people they're like, okay, we're married now, that's it. And I'm like, no, like that's where the work has just begun. Yes. And it's you know, especially when you have kids, especially adding all of the adult stuff that happens as you get older, you just have to constantly be working on your marriage and yeah. constantly making sure you're on the same page. Yeah, because we're all we're always growing. Yeah. You've been with your husband how many years now? Fifteen years. And 
And I'm now. sure you guys have changed a lot. <laughs> oh, gosh, yeah. I mean, if you ask him, he always makes fun of, you know, the girl that he met. I mean, I was kind of a hot mess back then. I was uh-huh. still in the restaurant industry. And, you know, he would call me. I, I didn't even, like, my phone wasn't even working. Like, I would it, it would take me days to text him back. And, you know, we've seen each other kind of grow into mature adult human beings. And that's been beautiful to see, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. The progression. Um, yeah, yeah, that's 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 so great. Okay, um, I have to ask because I'm sure a lot of the girls are want to know how real is the show Selling Sunset? Oh gosh! So funny enough, so during COVID 2020, I was actually one of the finalists to be a new cast member on Selling Sunset. Really? Yeah, so I met all of the producers. I met the director, um, and it's 100% fake. Okay. Okay. So first of all, most of those agents when they first started they didn't even sell a house like christine quinn like she yeah. didn't even sell a house like she was a model actress yeah. whatever um and so that was one of the reasons why they wanted to bring me in okay. because i actually have a track record of selling homes right yeah. and i'm not an actress so they were going to create this whole storyline of you know i i'm moving to la and and coming in and yeah it's it's all fake though oh, okay. yeah it's it's I mean the brothers are real. Yeah, right? the like brothers they sell, yeah, they yeah, sell homes. But I mean, yeah, especially like a lot you know, Chriselle, I think she's like an actress as well. Like they don't sell. They don't sell. <laughs> okay, okay. Um yeah, because I I mean I don't I'm not the biggest fan of the show. Yeah. I don't watch a lot of drama stuff. It's yeah. not my thing. I'm a firm believer in what you're watching, what you read, what you know, you oh, get yeah, all that energy, yeah. right? I don't care t- to watch it. The only time that I did watch it was, it was really interesting to see the homes, right? Yeah. And like, I'm, I like to be very put together and I, that was my favorite thing, the glam, right? Yeah. On the girls. I'm like, I would sometimes be like, these girls wake up like at 4 a.m. to do their <laughs> hair and their makeup and they're on these full glams. And it's crazy because if you don't really... I think with social media too, you see like, okay, some stuff is like, if you're in it, you know that not everything is real, right? But oh, there's yeah. a lot of people who believe that that is like oh, yeah. and 100% we that, real. We get that all the time. And that's why I hate shows. I don't watch reality. Yeah. I, I barely watch television. I've never even watched an episode of Selling Sunset. Okay. Um, but the thing I hate is a lot of these younger girls come in expecting that real estate is like that. And I'm yeah. like, no, ma'am. Like, it is not like that. Even after 10 years for me, it's not like that. Yeah. And a lot of, you know, agents come in expecting to sell million dollar homes. And I'm like, no, like we all start off from the bottom right. and we work our way up to the top. Yeah. And the failure rate for, you know, an agent, their first year, I believe is like 70% failure rate. Like most people don't make it past their first year, but they come in with all these crazy expectations of, oh, okay. oh you know, my broker is going to give me leads, you know, and I'm like, no, that's not the way it works. We all hustle. We all get our own yeah, leads. And yeah. so I feel like shows like that actually ruins our industry because now you have all these people coming in expecting it to be like that. And even now, it's not like that. I mean, I sell million-dollar homes, but you don't see the back end of us trying to put up our signs, of us, like, freaking out over staging. Um, yeah. And most of the time, we're not glam, right? Like, yeah. we're just trying to clean up messes. And I wish they would show that more instead of, like, okay, I'm just going to throw a bow party at this million dollar listing, yeah yeah, right? yeah yeah okay okay I, I wanted to know that too I knew I I was like I have to ask because I know so many girls are going to want to know that and the fact that you know so much about it I think is great um and that drama right the drama in there I'm like it's it I would assume if you're creating like with your business you're going to be very particular about who you bring in correct yeah so 
you know, at my broker, and I've been at brokerages where it's like dog eat dog and people are just nasty to each other, mm-hmm. right? And that was one of the things for me is like, I don't want to create that culture. And that was one of the reasons why I also started my own brokerage. So of course, you know, when you have 90% of your agents as females, there's going to be some drama here and there. But if there was ever anyone who was blatantly disrespectful or did something, I mean, to me, I don't tolerate that. Mm-hmm. And then when I have, you know, people, I have my own personal team that I work with, but I've been working with these agents since, you know, four or five years now. Right. Yeah, so yeah. those are the, you know, my, my personal team. Um, and obviously they're a reflection of who I am. Right. Yeah. Cause when we're dealing with these multi-million dollar clients, if you're not a reflection of me, or if you don't present yourself in the right professional way, that's going to hurt my business and yeah. my brand. Yeah. yeah. I was going to, yeah. I was about to ask, what is the number one thing I guess you look into when you're bringing someone onto the team? I think first off, you know, experience, of course, Mm -hmm. right? Um, To me, I think just having that being polished, you know, really being eloquent, Mm -hmm. uh, speaking nice, you know, I like people who's actually have actually worked a corporate job before because then they kind of understand how that world works. A lot of agents, they come in, they've never had any other job besides, you know, waitressing or doing something. But, you know, when you're in, I was in the corporate world for about five years. So there's a certain type of behavior and certain code of conduct that you do when you do work that corporate world. So while I do like to give agents free range of course you have to have that level of professionalism behind you especially when you're working with high-end yeah, clients yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Makes sense. yeah yeah no okay i've learned so much <laughs> about you okay last question before we end um because we did cover it a little bit you did you're an entrepreneur your wife you're a mom now that it's your your baby's two years old you said that you had a little bit more free time yeah what advice would you give moms who are really trying to hustle but probably feel a little bit of guilt that they're not at home as much Um, you know, the mom guilt is always going to be there. Right. But I really ask my kids now. So my daughter's nine and I ask her sometimes, I'm like, would you rather me stay home? Cause she goes to a private school. Most of her friends, moms are stay at home moms. Right. And I was like, do you want me to stay at home? But if I did that, we probably wouldn't have all that we have right now, right? right? We probably would not be able to live here. We probably wouldn't be able to take these nice vacations, but I would still be home. Mm. And so my daughter's like, no, I want you to work, right? (laughs) Um, And I think just... You know, I was raised by, you know, a single mom and she, you know, obviously worked, worked two jobs sometimes. And I think it's important for me, you know, especially having my daughter, that she sees a female working and, you know, making a difference in the world. And that's really important to me for her to see that and for me to be that role model to her. Um, But, you know, it's also important to, you know, be there also for your kids. Right. Right. So I try to be as present as possible. Um, obviously, you know, it's sometimes hard, you know, having that work life balance, especially as an entrepreneur, because I'm constantly just thinking of work and like never leaves, but really just trying to be there for those big moments that they'll remember. Right. Yeah. And I, I love that because you know, it's, I know I'm not a mom, you know, I don't know if someday I'll be a mom, but I know that I, I want to be a great mom, but I also know that I love to work. And I, if I ever do have a daughter, that's what I want her to see, right? Exactly. That woman empowerment that I'm, yeah. I don't depend on anyone but myself. So I think exactly. it's, it's great that you asked her too. And 
like you said, you wouldn't have all the vacations. She wouldn't have yeah. the home. And I think as long as you're present for the big moments and when you are there, you're present, they know that you're there. Yeah. I think that makes a big difference. So yeah. um, thank you so much for sharing your yeah, journey. I learned course. so much about you. <laughs> you are beautiful and you have just inspired me. Like guys, this is a perfect re representation of it's never too late to start something new. Look at her. It's amazing. She balances of being a wife, a mom, an entrepreneur. So thank you so much yeah, for coming on, Julia. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. <laughs>